I greet you this morning in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who died and rose again and gives us the power to be overcomers, overcomers in life, which is what I want to talk about this morning. I feel inadequate to be here. It seems like God likes to ask me to do things in life that um, I don't feel like I can handle on my own. That's not new. I'm sure you've been there too. I can't stand before you this morning without God's help. I felt his help this past week, and I want to thank you for your all's prayers. Many of you all have said you were praying for me. And I would just take this opportunity to thank you all uh, for the support that Rosetta and I have felt from you on our new responsibilities here. We want to be your servants and to be open to God's leading in our lives. So I open this morning with, I greeted you in Jesus' name, the one who died, rose again, and gives us the power to be overcomers in life. And I've entitled the sermon this morning, Overcomers Through Christ. There have been times in my life when I've felt overwhelmed with the situation at hand. This morning may be one of those. Sometimes I've gotten weighed down with the question, why God? And you remember that Davy uh, preached a sermon here a couple months ago, maybe? Why God? <clears throat> God led me to stand here before you this morning, something I thought I would never do. Why, God? In the past, he has brought situations into my life that I didn't see coming and that went against the direction I thought God was leading me in life. Why, God? There are many reasons that we can feel overwhelmed in life, responsibilities that we cannot handle, anxiety, loss, disappointments, regret over what we should have done or said, possibly financial problems, bitterness, and the list can go on. These times can be a result of sin, or they can be times, they can be things that God has allowed to come into our lives to test us and to make us stronger. The challenge is, how are we going to respond to those times? Do we let it get us down? Do we let those times get us down and overwhelm us? Or are we overcomers through the power of Jesus Christ, allowing that experience to make us stronger? There are scriptures, thankfully, that speak to this, and I would like to look at some of those scriptures this morning. I invite you to 1 John 5. There are different scriptures in the Bible that actually use the word overcomer or overcometh or some um, part of that word. And then there are scriptures that just talk about being conquerors through Christ. This, this uh, text here uses the word overcomer or overcometh twice. I'd like to just read verses 1 through 5, 1 John 5. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. 
And for, and for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. It says in verse 4, This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God this morning? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Your answer will be yes, I'm sure. That's why you're here. Then this text says that you are an overcomer. It says that we, can be over, we are overcomers, it says in verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? <clears throat> so why do we have problems about being victorious in life, with being victorious? Why do we have times in our life that we get overwhelmed with the cares of life? Why does the devil sometimes get a foothold in our lives? Why do we get bogged down? Doesn't this say that we are an overcomer if we believe in Jesus? Turn to Revelation 2. So 1 John was written by John. Revelation is also written by the same Apostle John. <clears throat> We're familiar with the book of Revelation. Revelation 2, and I'm just going to be picking out some verses in chapters 2 and 3. Chapter 2, verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. Down to verse 11. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. Verse 17. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. Verse 26. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He goes on there. Chapter 3, verse, verse 5. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. Verse 12. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. And verse 21. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So this is Jesus's. John had a vision in chapter 1. It talks about that. And this is Jesus Christ whom John saw. We're going to be looking at that just a little bit later. This is Jesus Christ whom John saw. And this is his message to the seven churches. And I think that it is we can take some of this for us today too. This is message to us. And he says a number of times to him who overcomes. So, how do we reconcile the difference? First John says, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are an overcomer. And Revelation 2 says, to him who overcomes. Which would mean that not all in the church, not all people that believe in Jesus are, are overcomers. How can we be an automatic overcomer in 1 John? And here in Revelation, it refers to the fact that we need to overcome. Is it possible that when we come to Christ and confess him as the Son of God, we position ourselves as an overcomer? 
I don't know that I have all the answers there, but, but we can be overcomers, I think is what he's saying in 1 John. We are overcomers. <clears throat> we declare that we are putting our faith in Christ and that he is the king of our life and we are an overcomer. And when we, when, when we came to Christ at that time, um, we, gave, we gave God everything. We gave Christ everything. We said, we confess. But as we move on in our Christian lives, God allows those times of testing to come. Maybe there's sin that tries to crop up in our life. Maybe we have, maybe we'd say we're Christians. Maybe we, maybe we would say that we've turned over a lot of our life to, to Christ. But have we over, turned over all of our lives to Christ? Is there an area that we are holding back? We are, maybe we're not fully committed to Christ. <clears throat> Is Christ's power available to us to be an overcomer if we are holding something back from him? Turn to Luke 14. This is Christ's teaching as a parable. When he was here on earth. And I found this interesting as it relates to this. And I'm going to be reading from verses 25 to 33. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth him passage, and desireth conditions of peace. And get verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Verse 33, as I drew your attention to before, unless we are willing to give up everything for the sake of Christ, things maybe that he calls us to do that we don't want to do, give that to him. Unless we are willing to give up everything, it says, we we cannot be his disciple. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This verse seemed to suggest to me that denying ourselves, following Christ, is a choice that we make. We choose whether to, by faith, reach out and accept the power to be overcomers that Christ has freely given to us. You know, Christ doesn't put that power in our hand. I, I did some reading this past week, and that's one, the way one person said. He, Christ doesn't put the power in our hand. He makes it available. We have to reach out in faith and get that. 
Based on scripture, I'm going to suggest two possible reasons that we aren't always overcomers the way we ought to be. And then I want to look at them a little bit more in depth. One would be because maybe we don't really reach out in faith, that's what I just talked about, and claim the power that is ours through Christ's resurrection and his ascension. And two, maybe is because we are holding something back. We say that we have given our lives to Christ, but have we given all our lives to Christ? Is there something we are holding back, something that we don't want him to have? <clears throat> he wants everything, total devotion. So let's first consider the power available to us because of Christ's resurrection. If Christ would not have risen, we could not have him living in us today through the Holy Spirit. Turn to Revelation 1, back to Revelation. So this is John, and John sees a vision. And this was interesting to me as I read this, and I've read over this before, this this passage This is the risen Christ that John got a vision of, I believe. And I would like to read verses 9 through 18. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Think think about the power and, and, and... what, what John saw here, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I think we could say, and unto them at Bethany. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as a sun shining in his strength. And look at what John did. And when I saw him... I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. This is the glorified Christ, I believe, that that John got a vision of here. This is not the Christ that was on the earth. This is a Christ that, that had risen and ascended to heaven, and God had given him power, given him all power, says, all power is given unto me. And John fell at his feet as dead. Christ stands offering us power today. God has given Christ the power. Christ stands offering us power to overcome today. We just need to reach out in faith and take it. And I just thought that was an interesting, interesting passage of what John saw, the Christ that John saw, a powerful, a powerful Christ, an, an awesome Christ. Now let's turn to Revelation 12. 
Here's another interesting verse, a verse that we need to pay close attention to as it describes the people that overcame. And I would like to read Revelation 12, and I'll start at verse 9 and read through verse 11. And verse 11 is the verse that I would like to get, verse 9 leading up to that. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And pay attention how they overcame. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, And by the word of their testimony, and I'll call that the confession, and they loved not their lives even unto death or by their commitment. Their identification with the cross of of Jesus Christ, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Salvation through Jesus Christ. Through faith, they claimed the power that was available to them Then they go on to the second point. There's three things here. The second one, they overcame him by the word of their testimony. They were not ashamed to confess Christ. Christ had, I, I get the picture of these people gave themselves all to Christ. And then they were not ashamed to tell others about his plan of salvation through Calvary. How is it for us? Are we free to confess Christ to others? Or do we hold back? If we are the least bit ashamed of Christ, what will he be of us? How will we ever make it to the next point? And they love not their lives unto the death. Speaks of commitment. This Adam Clark said it this way, and you have to pay attention closely. They regarded not their present temporal estate but even gladly delivered up their lives to the fury of their persecutors and thus sealed the truth of what they spake with their blood. This is where the commitment was. These are the people that overcame. These are the people that were going to make it to heaven, we would say. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and by their commitment. They loved not their lives unto death. You want to be an overcomer? Here's the recipe. Accept Jesus. Die to self. Giving all of ourselves to Christ. Holding nothing back. Confess Christ to others. Be willing to even die for him. Now I would like to look at some examples of overcomers in the Bible. The Apostle Paul's name is almost synonymous with the word overcomer. If anyone had reason to be overwhelmed in life, it would be the Apostle Paul. Shipwrecked, beaten, imprisoned, stoned, and left for dead. Let's look at what Paul has to say about being an overcomer, and this is not an exhaustive list. But Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul realized 
that it wasn't he that was living. It was Christ living in him. It was Christ that was, I think he says, quickening his mortal body, um, making him alive. But it was all about Christ. His life in the flesh is lived by faith in Christ. It wasn't Paul that was the overcomer. It was Christ living in him. Let's turn to Romans 8. Romans 8 has a lot to say about the spirit living in us and being an overcomer. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I would like to read some of it. Pay attention. I'd like to start Romans 8. I'll start at verse 1 and read through verse 17 and then skip down to 28 and read through the end of the chapter. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And I might say this is familiar reading to us. And when it's familiar, uh, let's pay attention more because it's easy just to read over it. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit." For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, and the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh, For if ye lived after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And then skip down to 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. For what shall we then say of these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? 
Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? Is it not Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, didn't leave much out, did he? Nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we have Christ's spirit living in us, he will give life to our mortal bodies, as it says over there in uh, 9 or 10 talks about that it's all about the spirit living in us that gives us power it's nothing that we can do on our own strength thinking about overcoming it's Christ's spirit living in us when we by faith accept the power that Christ has given to us or makes available to us and there's just a lot in this chapter that I don't have the time necessarily to go over over this morning There's just a lot here um, about life in the Spirit. When we are controlled by the Spirit of Christ, when we have given him everything in our lives. Just uh, draw your attention there again to uh, the last couple verses that I read. More than conquerors, he says, nothing shall separate us. Verse 34 says... um, Christ that died, and now he's on the right hand of God. He's making intercession. Remember this Christ that John saw, this powerful Christ. Christ is on the right hand of the Father, God, making intercession for us. He's on our side. He wants to give us that power. He's there. This Christ, the risen Christ. Philippians 4.13, Paul wrote, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Let's turn to Colossians 2, verses Colossians 2, and I would like to read 6 through 10. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. We are complete in Christ. Christ is Christ, and the power he offers us is all that we need become overcomers, to be overcomers in life. 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul writes, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that has become a, a favorite verse of mine. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. 
Christ Jesus, the risen Christ, is where we get that power. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Paul writes, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, or to the Gentile. And finally, turn to Ephesians 6. This is the armor of God, we call it. And um, pay attention here. The armor of God, as we take on the armor of God as it is offered to us, and we by faith take that, it will offer us that power. I'll read from verses 10 through 18, Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand an evil day, and having done all to stand Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance, and supplication for all saints. The whole armor of God, so that we may be able to stand. Uh, especially notice verse 16, talks about the shield of faith. Faith, our faith, as we, as we experience things in life, as we are overcomers, our faith is increased. And it says our faith is how we are going to be able to quench the fiery darts or to respond to the devil when he brings things into our life that would have the tendency to overwhelm us. <clears throat> a strong faith in Jesus Christ is what wards off the devil and his tactics. So all these verses written by Paul point us to the power that is ours through Christ Jesus. Now I would like to look at some examples of overcomers in the Old Testament. These people didn't have the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Christ in the same way that we have today, but they still had power from God available to them, I think through his spirit, if they took hold of it by faith. And that can be, there is many that can be an example to us. And I won't take time to read a lot, but maybe some. Noah, the odds were against Noah. He had the whole world against him. And yet he claimed the power available to him way back in his day, and he overcame. Hebrews 11.7 in the faith chapter talks about Noah. It says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is of faith. Not seen as yet, Noah and all the people of his day had never seen rain And yet Noah was building an ark. You talk about faith. He put faith in God 
and he overcame. <clears throat> Joseph. Joseph experienced rejection at the hand of his brothers. Rejection, I dare say, like we have not felt. His brothers weren't just going to, it wasn't just about a few rough words. They meant to get rid of him for good. He was taken to Egypt, to a heathen country, where God was not there. The odds were against Joseph. What a chance to be overwhelmed and to give up on God. And yet think about how Joseph overcame. He overcame and God was able to use him for his glory. Genesis 50, let's turn to Genesis 50 and just read just a little. Genesis 50 Verses 15 through 20. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requit us all the evil that we did unto him. So this is after Joseph's father had died, okay? And this is what his brothers are saying. Now I lost my place. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee, now the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of God God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, and pay attention, fear not, for I am, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. So Joseph reached out in faith, we might say, and took the power, the power that was his, available through God, and God was able to use Joseph in a mighty way. Joseph was an overcomer. David, Brother Robert brought out David last Sunday, Sunday before, and Goliath. <clears throat> and this is just a, another wonderful example of a man that young in life was an overcomer. Um, and I might just read quickly, First Samuel 17, turn there again. First Samuel 17, uh, 32 to 37. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Art thou, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth and a man of war since his youth. David was looking within himself. He wasn't looking to Christ. I mean, he wasn't looking to God. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and a lamb out of the flock, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him. And then on down, and it says, 37, David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. David recognized that the power that it was going to take, he didn't have. 
It came from God. He recognized that. Verse 45 through 47. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And then verse 47, And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. Talk about faith and an overcomer. The story of Job. Brother Davey brought out that in his message. We know the story of Job. Um, Talk about impossible circumstances. When we are faced with things in our life that we are tempted to be overwhelmed with, we don't understand. Job was there. In Job 23.10, he says, and there's a familiar verse, verse, but he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job is an overcomer. Jeremiah. We recently looked at Jeremiah in our Sunday school until maybe you were tired of Jeremiah. Talk about a man that had to stand alone for God. And yet he's a tremendous example of an overcomer because he claimed the power of God and he was alone in many of this, in much of his life. And what he, had to, what he had to say, what he felt God was leading him. He was open to God's leading in his life. Daniel and Daniel's three friends. And um, I was going to read that. Maybe I won't. Thinking about his three friends, they had learned to rely on God and his power no matter what. Even to the point of death. Remember in Revelation? Their earthly lives were of no importance compared to following God. And there are others. Abraham and Hebrews 11 talks about Abraham. Three or four verses, I believe. Moses, Jacob, Stephen in the New Testament. All these are tremendous examples of overcomers. And I would encourage you to to read some of those, um, the, the accounts. Tremendous examples of people that overcame people that were not ashamed of God and Jesus Christ. Two more parts of the armor of God that we read a while ago that I believe are key to overcoming, and maybe I didn't, uh, or I didn't make, make them strong enough a while ago, and that is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I would encourage you to be in the Word of God daily. I think that is very key to being an overcomer. How can we... How, how can we keep the power of God flowing into our lives without being connected to the source? And the way we do that is be in the word and also be in prayer. And it talks about that at the end there of, of the passage that I read uh, about the armor of God, about the importance of prayer. Job 23.12 says, Either have I gone back from the commandment of his lips, I have esteemed the words of his mouth, mouth more than my necessary food the word of god joshua 1 8 god says to joshua this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night 
thou sh- that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou wa- make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. This is God talking to Joshua in the beginning of the book. And I believe that we could make those words to us today. Meditate therein day and night. Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Two verses on prayer. Romans twelve twelve. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In closing, I want to read from Revelation 21. Revelation 21. heading in my Bible is the New Jerusalem. This is talking about heaven and the glories of heaven. And uh, I'd like to read verses 1 through 8. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things, the things we need to overcome, are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And then pay attention to verse 8. But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This doesn't say the people that went to church every Sunday are going to make it to heaven. It doesn't say the people that lived a good life. It says the people that overcame by the power that was available to them. And then verse 8, I found that interesting and I included that. It says, but the fearful, or the NIV says cowardly, or unbelieving, And it lists those with a whole bunch of sins that we would say are gross sins. The fearful and the unbelieving. Are we cowardly this morning or are we overcomers? I encourage myself and you to commit ourselves to be fully, unreservedly dead to self and alive to Jesus Christ. Let's resolve anew to claim the power available to us 
and to live overcoming lives. Let's have a song.